In the internet justice system, people spout offenses that are clearly not heinous. As part of the Kick cast, the semi-dedicated streamers who investigate internet people are members of a YouTube channel known as Keeping It Criminal. This is their show. Hey folks, welcome to On The Stand, episode 4. I am your host, Kick, and with me is the awesome Taco Supreme, Taco, along with a Fez Diyoshi. Hello, everyone. Hope you're doing well. And uh, tonight we've got a very special guest for you, a wonderful lady we are all familiar with here on the internet, Uh, somebody who has made the rounds to all of the lawyer channels, and finally uh, we've been able to nail down some time to hang out with her. Uh, We have Debbie Davis. Hey! Welcome. Hey. Uh, you make sh- me feel guilty before we even start that <laughs> no. I said sad from the beginning. I'm happy to come and chat with you guys. It was oh, just as little. We, and then we're, you're like we're happy. last one. No, no, it's fine. I think it's a lot to deal with just our uh, our scheduling and everything. It just yeah. it never really matched up, you know. Yeah. Um, but we're really glad to have you here. Um, just, uh, I guess... For those who are watching, if you want to give a little background information on yourself, just to kind of introduce yourself to a few of the people out there in the audience. Sure. So um, I'm an assistant prosecutor in St. Joseph County, Michigan. It's a very rural area, but uh, we're kind of known on the Zoom court community for our 3B district court with Judge Middleton. So we've had some cases that were um, not intended to be high profile, but became high profile. And that's kind of how this all started. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm from Michigan. I live here with my family and our animals, goats. But it's, it's, if you look at my channel, yeah, we're a 4-H family, agricultural, that sort of thing. So it's kind of a, an interesting mix, I guess. Wonderful. Uh, I did see a few of those videos, and I have to tell you that bunny that you've got is chonk. Um, <laughs> yeah, like a little nugget. I know. Sort of like <laughs> pattern. Yeah. Yeah, so we have some fun little fluffy animals, chickens too. We have a new rooster here, which I'm not totally sold on, but we'll, we'll see. He's he's a good looking fellow, but he's not real friendly. So <laughs> That's what I hear about a lot of roosters. Um, yes. Well, Taco, you want to go ahead and start us off? Yeah, sure. So, uh, what did little Debbie want to be when she grew up? And when was it that you decided to become a lawyer? I had to, I had to get the little Debbie in. I- that is really funny. Yes, that was my nickname growing up. I mean, how could you not, if you're a Debbie in the right. 80s and 90s, be little Debbie? Um well, I think like all little girls wanted to be a country music singer for a while. That didn't pan out, um, you know, from like yeah. age six on. Um, but I, in fifth grade, I wrote a letter, like we had to write a letter to ourselves or whatever. And I didn't realize until years later when I reread it that I had said I wanted to be an attorney, which I don't remember wanting to be an attorney that young. Yeah. Uh, but definitely it was a thought uh, during college. I had originally gone to Western Michigan University with the thoughts of um, doing communications, like broadcast communications. But I decided to take a different path and glad I did. I mean, everything ended up really interesting in my life. So can't say that I'm sad about it. And you're kind of doing the communications part now with the YouTube. Yeah, I know. Like the best of both worlds. Yeah. And so uh, I got to ask you, how do you handle the whole family life, work life, you know, the farm life, family life, fun life, YouTube life? How do you work it all together? Because just saying that makes me exhausted. Yeah, I I mean... I get exhausted at times, not going to lie. I have an amazing set of friends and family uh, that if I ever need something, they're there without hardly having to ask. Because sometimes they're there before you even ask. And that is very much what keeps me sane, I think. Uh, my, My work family is amazing. So, yeah, I... I really don't watch TV. Um, 
it's just not time. I wish I could. There's some shows that my husband is like, these are really good. And, but no, I'm like down at the barn scooping out pens at night while he's watching (laughs) Yellowstone without me. Just tell me about it. Tell tell me what happens. How does he get out of scoop, you know, out of the dirty Uh, work? That's my thing as far as the animals. Like he is allergic to animals. I mean, allegedly he says he is. I mean, I've seen some allergic reactions. So we don't have any inside pets. Okay. So, um, you know, he's got his hobbies and I've got my hobbies and it, it works out. He just, he'll do chores if forced to because of an emergency, but that's about it. Yeah. I actually, it's the same way at my house. Like my sister has her chickens and I have nothing to do with the chickens. That is her yeah. thing. No, he so. likes to eat the eggs that the chickens you know, give us, but yeah. not not a fan of actually like touching them or anything. Right. And uh, so let's see here. Going into that whole Zoom thing, did that throw you off in the beginning, especially when you found out like that, like hundreds of people were starting to watch you and you're becoming popular and being talked about on YouTube? I mean, it was definitely weird at first because I mean we're just doing our jobs I zoom court at the beginning it was just strange because we never had any remote court proceedings if that makes sense so we went from it being 100% you don't phone it in there was no video at all except uh, for our polycom system for people that were in prison or right. in jail. They could appear by video at times, but it that was a taboo. Like, nope, you you must be there. So when it started to be, no, no, we're doing these remote, it was awesome at first. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't a prosecutor when it first happened. Um, I guess I'll kind of rephrase that. I was a prosecutor for the village of Colon, which isn't I mean, there's not a ton going on there, uh, but most of it, most of my practice was like family law, divorce, custody, landlord, tenant, estate planning, that sort of thing. So um, I only had a few Zoom hearings when it first began until June of 2020 when I um, took a part-time position to help out the prosecutor's office because they had some... Um, issues with with not having enough prosecutors and so um yeah then for like a year we were doing zoom court and i got pretty comfortable with it i would say and then in march of 2021 when the the one case in particular that has gotten a lot of attention happened it all of a sudden became there's a live chat that we didn't even know existed and people are sending me screenshots of things that were not pleasant. And it really, that threw me for a loop a little. I mean, I didn't care necessarily about like maybe rude comments or whatever, but it definitely was weird that there's people watching and sharing it and like you didn't have any control over it. So, right. I mean, I don't do anything different in work than what I did before, but it's just instead of like five people in the courtroom watching, now there could be tons of people watching. Yeah. I suppose it sure feels intimidating at first, like, you know, having so many people watching you or if it was just like same old, same old. I mean, you don't realize that people are watching it because you're just like seeing who's on the screen. So it didn't. It didn't really phase me at all. Um, But then it's like, you do worry if you say the wrong word or, you know, stutter or something. You're like, oh God, are people going to be picking on me over this or something? But um, no, I mean, overall, I don't think it was too bad at all. I'm always impressed how you always have like everything like at the whim when like when the judge asks you something, you'll be like, do you have this case number? And you're like, yep. Do, 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 do. And I'm like, I'm like, how do you just have like, you know, multitasking like- is a real thing, right? I have three screens around me and you learn to multitask pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, it's definitely different 
than the olden days when you had like your paper files and you go into the courtroom with just the stuff that you have in your hands. And now we've just got everything at your fingertips, really. Yeah. So are you, are you starting to like go back into the courtroom now? Yeah, I mean, and... there's been, the judges kind of go back and forth about some of it. Um, you know, they want to get back to in-person court, but they also recognize the value of having the option of Zoom court when there are hearings that, that aren't going to last very long. We just need to get something done and put it on the record versus, you know, somebody having to take a half a day off of work when they don't really have vacation days available or sick time and maybe you're going to lose their job because they get points for leaving early or coming late. So in those situations, definitely, you know, the judges are open to, to keeping Zoom court. But um, jury trials, obviously, in person, we started having those. And um, sentencings, we started doing more in person now because I mean, if you watch some of them, you give somebody, you know, judge hands down the sentence, like, okay, we'll go turn yourself into jail. And they're like, yeah, no, thanks. Uh, see you next time. So, you know, there's not that instant cuff them and take them in the back. They're like, yeah, sure. I'll check into jail. Yeah. That happened that recent time with uh, the judge where he was saying that was my mistake. You know, I should have had you mm -hmm. in here. That was pretty crazy. Yeah. Definitely. There's times where it's like, oof, wish this would have been in person. This probably wouldn't have happened. Yeah. But, um, you know, technology has just changed the way that the court runs in a, in a good way. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I'm going to hand it off to uh kick now because uh, he's, he gets a little bit more time because he has a lot more questions than I do. Got the hard hitting easy... questions. I'm ready. Okay, well, I'm going to do my best. One. <laughs> Taco generally kind of gets us to, uh, you know, a lot of the background. As you notice, our our interview style is very different. We don't like to go over videos and things like that. It's more about getting to know the person behind the personality that we see on YouTube. You know, we, we all put on this, um, and not to say that you do. I mean, from a professional standpoint, I see you in the courtroom, and, and you act just like I would expect any other attorney to act, or at least a, a district attorney to act, as I worked for a court for approximately five years. Um, and so I don't see something different, but what it comes down to is really just getting to know the individual and, and seeing how their mind functions. Um, so just to kind of start this off, uh, as a DA, I imagine the task of prosecution is difficult. Um, do you find that your work as a DA is determined by the judges that you work for? And to specify, do you find that you have more pressure to meet those judges' expectations for middle grounds for pleas or efforts in your prosecution? You know, I, I don't think that... That's a complicated question, but I don't think that our plea agreements or how we resolve cases is driven by the judges that we're in front of. However, like with any courtroom, whether you're prosecution or defense, you got to know your judge. And there are times where we have a felony case, but we realize because of the way that the changes have been made to felony sentencing that are low severity felonies, if that goes upstairs in front of the, the circuit court judge, that person is less likely to get jail time or probation, even though it's a felony, versus if we reduce it to a misdemeanor and keep them in district court where we have um, the probation and, and jail time is generally more used, if that makes sense. So I, I think it does affect us in how we offer pleas because we try to figure out what the sentencing ramifications might be. So, but as far as like the judge's expectations, no, I mean, it's, it's very much, you know, prosecutors very separate from the bench. Okay. Uh, yeah. I just, the main reason that that came up to me is I used to work for a uh, courthouse in Louisiana and a lot of the judges had a very different approach when it came to the cases. Um, and I, 
as I worked inside of those courtrooms on some of the IT items, uh, you could see that demeanor of the judge. And a lot of the attorneys that I saw that would present cases there, you know, they obviously you see the same attorneys over and over again. Um, I would see their their behaviors kind of shift a little bit. And it's more to just match the mood, um, not to not to say that there's a breach of ethics, you know, or anything by the way that we're just trying to match the mood of that court uh, specifically. Yeah, I mean, definitely you got to be able to read people and we're humans, right? People have a bad day and there's times where we can joke around and there's times where you don't crack a smile because it could be interpreted the wrong way. So Absolutely. Um, just to kind of piggyback a little bit off of what you said there with the felonies and misdemeanors, uh, you know, I, I started watching Judge Middleton in the beginning uh, and I was really impressed, especially because one of the first videos I saw was a Thursday uh, court and it was a special court for people who had gone through recovery uh, while they were in jail or outside of jail. And so, uh, you know, to me, it appears that a lot of his sentencing is very progressive. Uh, he pushes for people to get help rather than to be punished. Uh, and your suggestions to him are very much in line with that. Uh talking down or not talking down, but basically bringing down some of the uh, charges to a lower charge to help fit that type of uh, that type of approach. So what percentage of the defendants do you believe are accepting of that help? Well, I mean, it seems that very few cases go to a trial. Right. When you think of like the number of cases that we authorize that come through as a warrant request from the police that we then authorize the case starts and now it's either going to be a plea or it's going to be a trial. I mean, we're talking like less than one percent of the cases go to trial. So I would say that of the ones that plea, probably 90 percent of them are accepting of trying to just not just like leave me done but get some help for whatever caused their issues and i guess i'm taking traffic cases out of this because i mean those like it's a traffic ticket you know it's it's not like we're there's a drug or alcohol problem unless it's like a dui but your typical not having insurance or registration or whatever I'm not talking about those. We're talking like the assault and battery, the illegal entries, the use of meth, things like that. I would say like 90% of them are open to some sort of treatment or therapy or probation instead of just now just give me the jail time and I'll do it and get it, get out of here. There's right. probably a, a small percentage that are like that. Okay. No, that's, that's very fair. It's good to hear that people that have those, those multiple charges um, cause I, one of the other things I noticed is a lot of those, a lot of those more, uh, felonious charges are generally, uh, mixed in with some form of drug or, or alcohol abuse, um, some history of violence or something uh, of that effect. And so seeing, seeing them be accepting, especially that, uh, that young lady, um, that went in for meth, she went to jail for a little while. Um, judge Middleton was very firm with her. Uh, and you know, 30 days later she came back or 90 days, something to that effect. She looked like a different person. Her personality had changed her demeanor. She looked fuller. She looked like she had life in her again. And that is so scary when I look at, so we have access to, um, the booking information for the jail. And there are times where if I have a repeat meth offender and it's been, years of in and out and it's not always meth charges it's like retail frauds or you know whatever um you look at their mugshot when they their booking mugshot when they first were arrested and they were maybe like 18 or 19 and then you look at them at like 27 28 it is shocking like i, I think some of these people don't even recognize themselves because it's been so many years that they have just abused the drug and not taking care of themselves it's 
frightening. And those are the types of things you want to show kids. And like, listen, this is why you don't do drugs. It's like if you you want to go from being a young, lively, healthy, happy person to this skeleton shell of a being that you know you don't even recognize. So it's nice to see the success stories when we turn them back around so that, you know, by age 35, they're back to looking as happy and healthy as they did when they were 18. Yep. Um, so kind of to go back uh, a little bit, you were talking about, you know, the way that you the way that you communicate um, in the court and your your demeanor as an individual, because obviously there are some things that happen in some of these cases. I, I love the faces you make, especially <laughs> the Debbie Davis eye roll. Uh, I've got I a gif of that. It, I swear. I don't know. I, I have it's... a gif of it. I, I'll send it to you. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> fantastic. But, um, uh, you know, just yeah. to, just to kind of follow up with that real quick, I, I, you know, like I said, we know your expressive faces from Judge Middleton's court videos, but do you find that there's a line for that emotional show that's hard to walk during a case? And I'm not just saying, you know, in the middle of maybe a defendant saying something that may be a little off color or off key, but, you know, when you win a case, a case that really means something to you, you know, how do you stay from doing that little fist pump? you know, right at the end when it comes back guilty and uh, that you've done something for the com community, you know, how, how do you hold that in? You know, I don't know how I do. It's one of those things where it's like, keep your composure, keep your composure. And I think even more so when your case is falling apart in front of your eyes and you're just like, oh God, keep a straight face, keep a straight face. It's okay. We can come back from this. But it's definitely that self-talk to like, okay, we're fine. Just take a deep breath. I'll fix it with the next witness. Like, okay, I've stepped on the landmine with that question, but we'll get where we need to go. Um, so I think that's, that's really it. I mean, I'm not really good at hiding my face on things, but oftentimes too, especially if there's a jury, right? And they can see your face. They're looking for your reaction too. Like, really? Is this can you believe this guy or a girl, you know, whatever. So you use it to your advantage and you know, it's, it, it's a, I don't know how it's like, it's a performance at times, right? Because you could have the best case in the world, but if you can't grab the attention of that jury or get the information out to them in a way that they are interested and care about it, you may not get the verdict that, that you were looking for. So I look at it like that. Okay. That's fair. Um, so imagine that you just opened up a dictionary and in the dictionary, it has your name written right there. How would you define yourself outside the little bit that many of us who watch you know about you? How do you define Debbie Davis? I don't know. My, my boss says I'm an, an, an enigma, but I am unusual. I don't know. I'd like not in a bad way unusual, but just you, you don't know what to expect with me, I guess. Um, I don't know. That's a bad answer. I told you not to ask me hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I promise I've got a I've got a couple of easy ones for you since I was uh, I, I've actually run short of the time that Taco allowed me this evening. Oh um, uh, well, he was like strict, man. We're gonna keep us on a schedule here. I'm like, all right, I'm good. I, know. I usually we go too long, but I he, mean, he, I have fun with these, so I don't mind. He he <laughs> put me down for like 25 minutes, and I'm I'm 10 minutes in with my five supposedly difficult questions. So you know. Um, oh, I mean, maybe I'm giving terrible answers. I don't no, know no, 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 me at these answers. Oh, you're doing great. You're doing fantastic. Um, so just a little background on me. Uh, I know you've kind of seen some of my videos. You've, you know, you've seen me around the community. We've interacted minimally. Um, I am a criminal justice student. I'm, uh, actually going to be graduating with my bachelor's of science here in June. Um, and I've had 
a lot of suggestions from people in the community. Uh, specifically, I want to throw a huge shout out to Juan Galt, legal badass, um, who has recommended that I go into constitutional law. Um, do you have any pointers for somebody who's considering going to law school? Well, I mean, it's, I feel old now that you ask me that question. I mean, it's been a minute since I was in law school, but, um, you know, there are so many different areas of the law that, that you can become a part of. Like, you could be a lobbyist, you could be a corporate counsel, you could work in a small town and be a solo practitioner like I was, you could be a prosecutor. I feel like if you go into it with an open mind about what type of law you want to practice and where you would maybe want to practice, it, it gives you a better opportunity to see what is a good fit for you. Does that make sense? Um, so yeah. I would say expose yourself to different areas, right? Go shadow people. Like I've had some people come shadow me once in a while, which I mean, obviously I can't do it every day for people. And there's certain cases that are just not ideal to have an extra person there. But um, it's, something where if you have the opportunity to go spend the day or even go to your local courthouse and see what they do, um, it really does help. And law school itself is, is really expensive. And if you can get a scholarship, you find a way to do it because you don't want to start out your career in massive debt. Uh, just like any other job, you know, you start out and you're going to have to work your way up. You, can't expect to just make a million dollars your first year out. Um, so I think that, you know, keep your expectations in line. And I don't know, that's about it. Study. Don't don't try to like half ass it because you will get caught. It was really uncomfortable seeing people like, oh those professors, they will call on you and if you aren't prepared, they will destroy you. Good to know. Um, and, and that's kind of where the curveball is. I'm, uh, I'm actually an established IT person. Um, and so I've got 20 years in the IT field. And a lot of people say, well, kick, you know, why don't you go for an IT degree? And, uh, well, I've already got all the experience. I've got certifications, you know, I'm already established. Um, and, I find that that law is extremely interesting. And uh, one of the other things is, uh, you know, if I was to go into this, I'd be I'm technically the first person in my family to have a bachelor's degree. And since I was a kid, I've always wanted to have some level of a doctorate. And uh, my professor, who's got 30 years, she did 10 years in prosecution and 20 in uh, criminal defense, uh, recommended that I go for. that I go for a, a law degree. And she said, I mean, technically you're a doctor, it's a jurist doctor, but you can't call yourself doctor. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? that sounds cool. I mean, Hey, we got, got a doctorate, man, Dr. Debbie in the house. We joke like my family, like, <laughs> like oh, doctor it's, or um, Esquire. My brother-in-law is always like, Deborah J. Davis Law Esquire. I'm like, oh, stop. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is an accomplishment to get through that amount of school and, you know, then the bar exam on top of that. But once you're done, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's something different every day. And I love it. I truly love my job. And I mean, I, I really liked my job in private practice too. Don't get me wrong, but I love my job as a prosecutor. Um, I still do a little private practice on the side uh, just to keep things going, but very limited. No more divorce and custody. That was a little draining at times. I I bet that looks to be extremely draining. Um, I used to, uh, when I was doing civil collections for a while, I handled a lot of collections for divorce cases. And uh, some Mm. lady, her attorney could not drop off her paperwork and she gave me her informa pauperis. Uh, so I could f- help write recommendations for the judge. 
And uh, because she was doing it all by herself, um, she was going to walk it across the street. But it turns out that her divorce case was separate from a domestic violence case. And so she asked me to walk mm -hmm. her to the courthouse. Um, and that was one of the most surreal moments that I had, uh, you know, seeing how deeply a lot of this stuff goes. And, you know, it's we had fun working at the courthouse. It was like a family almost. You have a lot of people that, yeah. that have built their careers there. And when it comes down to it, though, the, the work that you do has such an impact on the community and on these individual lives that it's it's very easy to look past it you know, and look at, at a lot of day-to-day -day activity. Well, and that's the thing is like, you kind of get stuck in the grind sometimes and you're like, what am I doing this for? But I haven't had that as a prosecutor. It's been very much, uh, you feel like you're actually like gaining some ground. You know, you're like working up to that mountain top where people are, either taking care of each other and doing the right thing. And I don't know, it's just one of those, it feels like what you do has, has an impact and it's very fulfilling, I guess is one way to say it. I, I gotta gather ask, that. <laughs> I got to ask, how fun is it to say objection? I mean, it just seems <laughs> like, it just seems like, you know, to interrupt everything and be like, you, you want to slam right. the you desk like, and I kind of make a objection, but it's getting too intense. I'm just going to say, uh, objection. Uh, what's your objection? Like, uh, withdrawn. Just to, like <laughs> break their flow, their thought, you know, get them off their train of thought, throw them for a loop. Nah. We don't like to play too many games like that, but sometimes you object, you're like, oh, I lost my train of thought. Like, what was my objection? You're like, uh, relevance? Uh, it is fun to say. Yeah. Awesome. What's uh what's next for Debbie Davis? I know that right now you're you're doing the a lot of DA work. Um you know what's what's next in your career path? You know? I don't know. I you know we've I've talked a, a few different times about potentially running for judge. Um yeah, I mean it's definitely a thought, but there's this a lot of considerations that go into that. And, you know, I like where I'm at right now. I like what I'm doing. My family's happy. I'm happy. So it, we'll just, we'll see. There's a potential for that. And I don't know. I mean, I want to live a long life and retire somewhere warm someday. But yeah, that's a few years down the road. So how hard is it? to take off the lawyer hat when you get home and not lawyer your husband and kids and object when they argue with you? It's impossible. We have like little trials in our house sometimes that the kids are like the attorneys and one of us is the judge because somebody left the milk out and it's like, they're blaming each other. And so I'm like, all right, let's give me your best story. It's like your prosecutor, your defense. And it's, uh, it's fun. Uh, and I'm an arguer, not in a mean way. I don't think it's in a mean way, but my husband's like, you always have to have the last word. Like I do. Well, yeah. I've been that way since I was a kid. <laughs> well, you, you definitely do very well on a lot of your arguments. Uh, and like Taco has said, you, you always seem to be so prepared for everything that comes across. Um, just to kind of, shift here we got a few questions from people in the chat uh sure. says uh i got a question for debbie what made you go into criminal prosecution over civil well I... well okay so i had my own office for 13 years so right out of law school um i opened my own office with um the same building in the small town as my father-in-law and um i never even considered being a prosecutor other than like the village of colon like i said i mean you're talking traffic things once in a while and i liked that it was fun but um when our 
elected prosecutor had some issues and wasn't able to work and they were already down a felony prosecutor, the chief assistant, um, who is the chief assistant now, still Josh, um, he reached out to me and said, like, I really need somebody that is well versed in criminal law, felonies specifically. I had been on the criminal contract for 10 years, but I had like retired from the criminal contract um, a few years prior. So I didn't have any conflicts. And so I was like, I mean, I like you, Josh, I'll, I'll do it to help you out. You know, this is COVID. There's not a whole lot going on in, in civil practice at that time. So I started just doing the felony preliminary examinations and pre-exam conferences. So like the district court level of felonies. And that's all I did for, let's see, it was about six months. And then um, Dave Marvin was elected in the November election and he um, put people in place to, to, to do, you know, chief assistant and the assistants. And I said, look, I'll stay until January, like through January, just to make sure transition, you can get your feet wet because he had not been a prosecutor before. So then in like January, as my time was coming to a close, I said to him, like, look, I really like this. And I, I think I want to do this full time. And I think I like shocked him. And he says now, like, he had no idea that that was what I was thinking. He had not worked that into his plan uh, for his office. And uh, one of the other prosecutors took another job in a different county, which opened up a position. And he went to bat for me with the county commission as far as the pay that I was asking for to make it be, you know, worth it. I don't want to say worth it. That sounds really rude, I guess. But like, I can't just take a job because I like it if I can't pay my bills, right? So uh, we negotiated and they hired me. And so here I am. So I guess that's the story of how I became a prosecutor. <laughs> Cool. Um, just to lighten it up a little bit, uh, Judge Middleton always tells us he old, he's old. Do you know how old he is? I, I do. I, well, I know generally how old he is. Okay. Exactly. Do yeah. you consider him old? I. No. <laughs> I mean, he's older than me. So I want to say he is 66. Oh, he's a youngin. I think he's maybe 67. So what I know is he can't run for judge again because you can't run after you turn 70. And oh. so I, I want to say he's like 66 or 67. So he's got a few more years left in his term. Um, Oh my God, now that I say that, maybe he's only like 64. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean he, he he's, looks, he's, he in looks his, young. he's in his 60s. Yeah, it's funny, like his long hair, though, it just explains it. me that he still has his long hair. It, it was just funny, and then it just got funnier, and then he's like, I'm just keeping it, I like it. Like, you do you, man. That's, it's, he gets his little hair tie or barrette and <laughs> pulls it back. Once in a while, he has it down, and it makes me laugh. Like, be like, oh, did he cut it? Like, no, it, it's still there. It's just pulled back. I, if, a... if we get him, like, a barrette with a fez on it, do you think he would wear it? <laughs> I mean, he's got a great sense of humor, so not going to lie, he probably would. Okay, cool. Uh, we'll have uh, to get with you to get like a, an address to ship that to him. I got a friend who can 3D print it. Um, oh, go that is funny. <laughs> go ahead, Taco. You had something? Yeah, just that uh, there's a lot of people that feel like you're the heir apparent to Judge Milton. Like once he gets <laughs> off the, the stand, like you should be the one that replaces him. I mean, like, if he passes his fez barrette to me, how could I say no, right? I know. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's been a difficult thought process to think, okay, changing from being a prosecutor to running for judge, right? Number one, 
there's the whole process of campaigning and it it's very expensive it's very time consuming it it can be just very exhausting and is it is the job that you would get and the changes that it would bring i just i don't know i don't know but uh, i had tossed around the idea of running for probate judge which is the judge um that my father-in-law is right now but i haven't i haven't really ruled out anything yet um it just it would have to be right for myself and my family um, because they they come first obviously mm. and my kids are still pretty young and so I, I don't know what i want to do i mean i feel like things are going good so yeah. i think i'll know when the time is right what i want to do uh, but i i definitely my most favorite judgeship position right now would be judge middleton's he does will criminal does a landlord tenant general civil ppos um it, it's a good gig man i think he he really likes it he's been there for a long time so so we'll see nice yeah i forgot about that milton did say he can't accept gifts but appreciates the thought okay well uh then a virtual uh fez I mean, barrette for him <laughs> If one wouldn't show up at his house, I don't think he would say no. So well, I'll send you two. And I, if I you can't decide... give him gifts either, but definitely. Yeah, I mean, if, if, a, if a Fez Barrett ends up on his desk and he doesn't know who it's from, then. Yeah, there you go. Um, Abby Pollen, I said your name right this time, uh, says, Debbie Davis, what is the funniest moment with the Zoom court appearances that you've had? Law Talk with Mike showed a different court that had a woman taking a shower and she thought her camera was off. Yeah, that, let me think. There's been some good ones. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's the shirtless people. There's the people that are in the bathroom and you hear the toilet flush and you're like, oh my Lord, seriously, this isn't happening right now. Um, so I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good one, but they all kind of blend together. Is that sad that there's so many goofy moments that you can't even like identify one in particular? No. Uh, Sorry, you caught me off guard on you caught me off guard with that one. So if I, I think of one as we're going along, I'll let you know. <laughs> um, let's see. While you think on that, Judy, you got this. Says uh, before becoming a prosecutor, did you have a case kind of like Ben Bateman where you were just stuck and you couldn't really do anything about it? Uh. Not to the extent that poor Ben had um, a very outrageous client, but yes, there have been cases where you're like, okay, I, I have no defense for this person. They're just being difficult and nothing I say is going to make them understand that they have zero chance of winning, but we will do our best and go through the motions. And when I'm done, I'm done. And I never have to see that person again. Then I am with court appointed, like, you know, when you're on the court appointed contract, you get what you get and you can't like cherry pick. Right. But yeah. as a criminal defense attorney doing retained work, you can just say, I don't want to work for you anymore. Like, you know, just don't want to provide services. So yes, there were definitely some where it was brutal. Um, from James Morrow, C.J. James, uh, he asks, have any of your kids expressed an interest in law? Apparently, no. The little brats, they all want to be insurance agents like my husband. I'm like, what? Oh, insurance agents? I know. I mean, not to say that he doesn't have, like, a cool job and gets to do cool things, but I thought my job was cooler. I think I've ruined them, though, because I'm a workaholic, and they see how many hours I put in, and they're like, no thanks. Dad works like 8.30 to 5, and then goes hunting and fishing. And 
<laughs> goes on trips. Whereas I, I don't take a lot of vacations. And so I think they look at his job as like cake, man. So but I swear he does work hard and they, they just, it's different to them, I think. Why can't they do the best of both worlds to be like a real estate lawyer or something like that? Or insurance lawyer? Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a lot of contracts and tiny fine print. And I've had definitely my days of reading through contracts and fine print and finding the loopholes and the problems. So I think I like my litigation with criminal law better. I bet. Um, and I have one more here from the chat from Thea Tama, a member for two months, says, uh, on that first really famous video of you, Debbie, uh, where you knew that the guy was in the house or the apartment with the witness, how did you know? How, like, how did you figure it out? Was it a gut feeling? So... The case is over, right? And so what, I can kind of say a few things. What It wasn't any one thing. There was information that came in from sources that said they might be back together. Um, I had talked to the witness prior to the hearing and... Um, you know, she advised that she was in a certain location, which was not her apartment. And so um, the defendant, when he set down his phone and it showed like the ceiling fan and a brief glimpse of the window covering, the police officer thought he recognized that as being at the victim's apartment. And so we tried to get um, a, one of the police officers that was there on duty in the city to go by and see if they could identify the um, apartment. There was like a flag over the window, um, but everybody was busy. They were all on calls. And so one of the off-duty officers offered to go look, but he couldn't tell um, because it was obviously inside the window. And um, so then it was just like, all right, well, the hearing is starting. Um, as the hearing was starting, our staff came and you could see me like talking off screen. They were giving more information about calls that, that had come in. And so all of this is like swirling in my mind. I'm like, okay, well, I just talked to her. Like she's at a safe location. So if he's at the apartment, we'll just deal with it at the end of the hearing, right? Because um, he's not supposed to be at her home, whether she's there or not. So um, as the hearing progressed, um, it just became apparent that there was something not quite right. Like she wasn't answering the questions that we had literally talked about eight minutes before. Um, and I kept seeing like when I would ask a question, she would be looking off to the side, but he would also be looking off to the side. Like it just didn't feel right. And at that point, um, the Sturgis officers had finished with their call where they were at. And so I was in contact with the officer that was in the hearing with me and, um, he said, hey, they're, they're done with their call. They're just down the street. And I'm like, well, let's just have them hold off. Let's just get this hearing done. And once the hearing is done, if he is there, they can knock on the door um, and take him into custody. Again, I did not realize she was also at that same small apartment. I was under the impression that she was where she told me she was. So after um, we got to the, like, the heart of the questions, like, the important part of, okay, what happened? And she kept doing this, like not answering and minimizing and looking off to the side. And then she would mute, but I could see that she was talking. It's like, who is she talking to? And it struck me as, oh my God, I think they're in the same apartment. So at that point, I, it was one of those things where 
do I say something and look like a total moron if I'm wrong? Or do I say nothing and continue to watch this case just tank? So I made the decision that even if I look like an idiot, I'm going to say, I, I think there, there's something going on in the same room. And the officers that were on standby, I don't know why they decided to go to the door when they did, um, because we had asked them to just like hold off. So I, I guess I never really asked Josh Edgington about that. But um, as soon as judge started questioning the defendant, uh, they were knocking at the door and I'm glad that they were. Um, it's, and again, this is where from the beginning, I've always thanked the officers and it, it truly was a team effort. It wasn't just like, oh, eagle-eyed Debbie found this out. It's like, no, this was a, a, a group effort um, of, of people working together and trying to make sure that the witness is protected. So it, it was a very unusual situation. I hope to never have it again, but then just a few weeks ago, we had a similar, not as egregious, but still a similar situation that unfortunately, you know, domestic violence is one of those things where people, it's a cycle, it's a manipulation and they go back and let themselves um, go into those, those toxic relationships. That's well, that unfortunately was, a part of That's Zoom. like a long answer. Sorry. Like there, there goes no. your 10 minutes kick. <laughs> oh, it's fine. You did great. And a lot of people in the chat are super supportive of the team effort that y'all put in. Uh, it was definitely on display, the cycle of violence in that type of relationship. And hopefully that can be an example that can be used, you know, from here on out for a lot of people to see it with their own eyes and, and, you know, escape those type of situations. Um, but I think that I've run through all of the chat questions, except one that's for taco, which we can get to at the end. Uh, uh -oh. but at <laughs> this point, I'm going to pass it back to taco so we can do our taco five pack. That's right. It is that time. So I will tell you right now, since Debbie, you've never really seen this before. The questions get harder as they go. Oh, God. <laughs> and usually the fourth and fifth one, I tailor more to the person. Or the the first three kind of are vague or just kind of whoever. But so these Kick are questions also, to me only? No, Kick also answers them as well. Okay, good. All and right. they're would you rather questions. So oh, the first God. one. Okay. <laughs> would you rather work for Michael Scott from The Office or Mr. Burns from The Simpsons? And do I go first or okay? Ladies first. Ladies first. Okay. I would definitely rather work for Michael Scott. Look how fun he is. I mean, he's a little intense, right? Yeah. But at least he's not mean and crabby. Who wants a mean and crabby boss? But he runs the ship well. That's true. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I kind of, I, I would want to work for Michael Scott. He looks like he'd be a fun boss. I mean, think of all like the parties you would have at the office, leaving early. The yeah. awkward situations that you can only just make more <laughs> awkward. No, <laughs> yeah. I agree with both of you. Uh, okay. Number two. Would you rather buy all used underwear or used toothbrushes? Oh. <laughs> Gross. Oh my god. Um, I'm not going to use underwear because at least you could like bleach them and wash them and the bristles like you can't get those bristles sanitized. Yeah, they're both so fun. gross. I... <laughs> I'm not using anybody's used toothbrush. I'll say that. Oh, that's that's gross. where I'm leaving. I'm not going into details. That's, that's mm. freaking disgusting, Taco. <laughs> Oh, yeah, look at that. I got my first. What it, What the F is wrong with you? <laughs> Good. Thank you. Thank you, Steven. Yes. All right. So, and they're going to get harder than this kick. Like, I don't know if I can handle this. Oh, I know. I've, I've gone through this at least three times before, and every time I start sweating around question three. Yeah. 
Would you rather do all your barn work without gloves at the coldest point of the year or have to muck your animals and the closest dairy farm midday at the hottest point of the year? Ah, barehanded in the cold. Hot, hot, smelly poop? No. Cold, at least it's <laughs> not as smelly. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm going with Debbie on this one. I had my grandfather <laughs> had horses and I remember in like November, December, the barn did not smell that bad. August? No, no you couldn't mm -hmm. get me out there. No, and the flies in August. Oh god, yeah. No, I winter. Do, I just don't do with help, uh well with heat, so I'm with you guys. Yes, good call. Would you rather represent Kim Bandino? And all his appeals he wishes to file, or the three OJ trials yourself and the ghost of Johnny Cochran. So it'd be, <laughs> so it'd be you and Johnny Cochran doing the three OJ trials, or you representing Kim Kim Brand, Band, uh, Bandino. And Listen, it's a glove fit. You must acquit. That's the first trial that I distinctly remember paying attention to as a kid. We were in Spanish class in junior high, and our teacher would turn it on, and we would all just like watch that. I would a million times rather help Johnny Cochran. I mean, other than like, I don't know if I want to know all the details of the OJ case, and I have my thoughts on it now, but working with him. He's a legend, right? And he is. you know, not a legend. If like I having him as a ghost in your head, kind of being like, well, I mean, it's it's like Obi Wan. Yeah. You know, use the Wookie, like use my, the Wookie defense. Yoda. Yoda. You know, yeah. uh, I, I'm kind of I I hate that we we have the same answer for all of these, but uh, I Such remember. Such a copycat. Yeah, I remember watching the the verdict for the OJ trial when I was in eighth grade. And they stopped our class so we could all watch it because it was this big to do. Yeah. Um, and I mean, to have that type of association, I guess, to a legend in the business would really be a, the best play from a, you know, a career standpoint. But I mean, I don't know if I'd want Johnny Cochran living in my head. That's the only downside. I just remember. He says such funny things, though. That is true. Uh, okay, I will make a concession. If I can go back with the knowledge I have now of the South Park episode where I get to use the Wookiee defense, then <laughs> then I will do that. I remember being in school when the verdict came out and like like two or three of my teachers like crying about it. That was the weirdest thing to me. I was like, Okay. Like, I didn't fully grasp, like, why they were crying and everything. Yeah. I remember watching the slow speed chase of the Bronco, like, yep. you know, obviously before the trial, um, at my my house with my parents and thinking, this is so weird. Like, why is everybody in the world, like, it's on every channel, and this is, like, the slow speed chase. But... Interesting, man. Stuff that sticks in your head. 25, 30. How many years was that? That's a long time ago. I want to say that was around 92, 93. Yeah, probably. Something yeah. like that. 94, somewhere around there. Wait, I wasn't even born then. So, I mean, who was in junior high? Yeah. Not me. I was, I was probably in a womb somewhere. <laughs> yeah, because I was in like 7th, 8th grade too. Or maybe 6th. But, uh, Okay, number five. Oh God, last one. Would you rather defend? Would you rather have to defend all more cases for life, or have to use sovereign citizen arguments for the rest of your life for all your cases? Ugh. So more clients, or use be forced to have to use sovereign citizen arguments. I would go with representing Moorish American clients because I don't have to compromise my beliefs of the judicial system and the legal system and our statutes and constitution 
I just have to deal with their views and sit a standby counsel, basically. So yeah, I, I would do that. I I'm actually going to differ from you. Whoa! I would, I would prefer to argue the sovereign citizen beliefs just to challenge my abilities as somebody who argues something. So you're going to challenge jurisdiction, jurisdiction on each. I'll case? challenge every damn. He's challenging thing. traveling. He's uh, challenging everything. I'll do it all. Just you know what? I'll do it out of spite too. Hmm. <laughs> I feel like you only picked that and made it an excuse so that you could be different than us. No, no. I uh, what I've done through my criminal justice papers is I take the most unpopular opinion, and I write my papers based on that. So um, they were talking about um, a crime that happened to somebody and they said, well, talk about the ethics of what the police used when they were present at this crime. And rather than talking about the totality of ethics and how they touch on different aspects, I just went with utilitarian. And so I basically made a case that by the police killing a criminal has done better for society rather than any other ethical standpoint. And it was a challenge to see how I could argue that with my professor and with her being a, you know, an attorney for 30 years, she gave me an A on the paper. Um, so it's, it's all about the ability to argue and see that standpoint. It's not that I have to believe in it. It's that, I need to understand that concept in order to argue against it later. Um, so that's that's kind of why I why I do that. Also because I, I just like to be contrarian, and it's just me. Anyway, right. go ahead. Well, did we all just kind of talk over each other? That I was think we neat. did. That was fun, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Debbie. Just... Uh, no. Do you have anything that you want to share with everybody? Anything new that's coming for your channel? Anything you want to plug? Any? I mean, I'm doing a 5,000 subscriber special on St. Patrick's Day Ooh. from Little Torch Key down in the Florida Keys. So that'll be fun. Um, so hopefully everybody joins. And let's see. There's going to be baby goats any day now. I'm sure they're going to be born while I'm gone just because the goats are going to spike me like that. But um, I can't wait because if you've ever seen baby goats, like, they're just the cutest little things. So, I mean, Yoshi's pretty cute too, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's getting readjusted. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's about it. I, I always struggle with like, what do people want to see? Do they really want to see what I put up? But I mean, they watch it, so I guess. But I'm up for suggestions. Uh, I feel like when spring and summer hit, it'll be easier to do more fun stuff because, you know, it's winter in Michigan still. It's hanging in there. And everybody just hibernates. So I'm looking forward to lake time and outside time and all the animals and throwing some law in there, too. That's this awesome. Really, this really, this week kind of felt like the first week where it was like, we're out of winter. Like, at least that's how it felt for me in Wisconsin. I mean, there was a day on Saturday where I felt like, yeah, 66 degrees and sunny, please. Like, let's keep this going. And then it was like 40 the next day and. It's snowing outside right now, actually. I walked out to get something. I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. But allegedly, it's going to be warm next week. Of course, I'm going to be gone part of the week. But it's all right. The kids will enjoy some warm weather. That's right. You got to lawyer the weather. Allegedly, it's going to be warm. Yeah. Uh, I, it, I do that all the time. <laughs> allegedly, it's going to be warm. I don't know. Allegedly, I, you guys did dishes while I was in here. I don't know. <laughs> I have to know, uh, uh, whose team are you on? Team pineapple on pizza or not? Uh, yeah. My daughter and I will pineapple pizza for life. No, she gets only pineapple on pizza sometimes, which I think is weird. But I like a ham and pineapple. I like a bacon and pineapple. I like a ham and bacon and pineapple. It's 
Well, that's been really nice to have Debbie here. Unfortunately, <laughs> she's made the social faux pas. Uh, now, um, where's the phone? Like, there's a Sorry, man. That's all good. Um, I mean, to well, be fair, I eat pretty much anything, so I, I'm not a picky eater. So I am. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> some chicken tendies and fries. Yeah. Like that's that's all. I'm not that. I'm not that picky. I just don't, <laughs> don't give me kale. Tastes like a freaking Christmas tree smells. What? I can't stand kale. It's disgusting. Have you tried kale chips? Like I have, you know, and they're just, they're just awful. It's like eating yeah. grass clippings. Okay. So, um, I don't like beets. Like I've tried to like them. I oh, like yeah. them like if they're mixed in stuff, but like not by itself. Um, are your kicklets getting a little out of control over here or what? Oh, sweet Lord. Yeah, it's bedtime and they're uh, they're not listening. Oh, really? That's weird because Harper is standing at the door going, come lay with me. Dude, give me five seconds here. It's a little past your bedtime anyway. She can hear me talking now. She's smiling. <laughs> of course. The littlest okay. one tried to, tried to come in the moment that like we were doing questions and fortunately I was able to catch her. She wanted me to charge her, her tablet. Um, well, yeah, isn't that what you're for? Like you're the portable charging station. Like you always know where the charger is. I mean, I do have like 16 USB ports. So yeah, that's, that's kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We struggle with charging cords around this house. I, I don't know where they go or what happens to them, but I've looked at my Amazon prime account and I've ordered about 27 chargers in the past year. Can maybe find three at any given time so i don't know what the kids do to them nor do i yeah well That's i believe better. that brings us to the end here um congratulations on your five thousand. i will Yay, uh, do my level best to be there for you uh when you have that so everybody make sure to go and subscribe to debbie davis says uh or debbie davis said right yes with the three with the ellipsis on the end yes Subscribe, turn on notifications, go. go check it out, um, and go uh, obviously check out Judge Middleton's channel if you want to see Debbie at work. Uh, you there's, know, yeah, it's... there's different Debbies. There's like work Debbie and then like Debbie's channel Debbie. Right. They're kind of so, different at times. Yeah. So go go check them both out. She's on both sides of the scales of justice right there. That's, you know, that's mm. that was a poor metaphor. Um, <laughs> so. At any rate, I think that's pretty much it for all of the questions and everything. Debbie, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the channel. We hope we can have you again. Maybe we can yeah. go over some videos or something. Um, for sure. I'll Thank have you very uh, much for Taco coming. reach out. Um, and uh, we'll go ahead and finish up a few of the other uh, administrative tasks we've got here. So thanks again for joining us tonight, Debbie. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank I'll see you guys you. next time. Have yeah, a great bye. night. And as per the usual, I ask you all the same things to be well, to have a great day, and above all, be good to each other. Good night.